Hi, I'm Jeffrey Rickman. I'm the Methodist preacher in Nowata in Delaware, Oklahoma. And I've started a series, mini-series, sort of on early Methodist documents. Uh, Methodism finds itself at a place in history where we've forgotten a lot of our roots. And I personally think it would be helpful to return to some of them, or at least be aware of them. So the first few videos we did was on uh, the nature, design, and general rules of the United Societies, which is an absolutely foundational document for Methodism and understanding the Methodist revival movement. Uh, this one is going to be over John Wesley's directions for singing, which were published in Select Hymns in 1761. It's one of my favorite documents. It's short and succinct and uh, I would say sweet, but not really that sweet. Um, and it deals with how we should sing together. So. Um, just to make sure we're rooted in Scripture here, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, in which Paul writes, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. So uh, this is, of course, something that Jesus and his apostles were known to have done. They sung a hymn before they went out to Gethsemane. It's something that Christians and before them Jews have always done when assembled together. My favorite early church quote is from St. Basil as to why we do this. And uh, I'm, I'm the one doing this, so I get to do the quotes that I want, right? So this is St. Basil. He said, what did the Holy Spirit do when he saw that the human race was not easily led to virtue and that due to our penchant for pleasure, we gave little heed to an upright life? Well, he mixed the sweetness of melody with doctrine so that inadvertently we would absorb the benefit of the words through gentleness and ease of hearing. Just as clever physicians frequently smear the cup with honey when giving the fastidious some rather bitter medicine to drink, Thus he contrived for us these harmonious psalm tunes, so that those who are children in actual age, as well as those who are young in behavior, while appearing only to sing, would in reality be training their souls. For not one of these many indifferent people ever leaves church easily retaining in memory some maximum of either the apostles or the prophets, but they do sing the texts of the psalms at home and circulate them in the marketplace. So I always love that metaphor of the, the physician giving better, bitter medicine. Uh, so in order to get someone to drink it, putting the, the sweet honey on the cup. And of course, uh, the spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, right? Well, St. Basil was the one who came up with that, that metaphor, and that's what music is. Music is the sweet sound that helps us take in the bitter doctrines of the faith, namely that you and I are born in sin and deserving of damnation, and that were it not for what Jesus did on the cross, we could not be saved. So the particulars of that are known throughout all of the psalms and the songs that, that we have created to sing together. So uh, before I read the actual document, things I want us to be thinking on as, as we go through the list, uh, what are the purposes of singing. There's not just one purpose of singing. There are many purposes, and you'll see that each of these instructions fulfills these purposes well. And the first one, the most important thing, is, is pleasing God. So there's been a, a saying in the early church from the beginning. St. Ambrose said it, I believe, he who sings prays twice. 
So the, the notion is that God really likes the sound of music. Uh, the second thing it does is it indoctrinates those who are singing. It gives us good doctrine. It helps it take root in us. So these, these words that we sing, they drip down into our hearts and they inform our lives. The third thing that, that a lot of modern social scientists have discovered is that music helps people to bond together. It takes people who are very different from one another, but when they're singing, uh, moving to the same beats, singing the same tunes, it helps them to uh, become one, to feel like they're becoming one, and essentially as a, a corporate entity, to become one. And if you've read your scriptures, you know that, that we, the church, are called to be one body under one lordship of Christ Jesus. Now, the final thing I would uh, say about this is that the final purpose of singing is to be truly human together. And a lot of people don't realize this today, but all humans are musical. Whether or not you can tune a, carry a tune in a bucket doesn't matter. Language, every single human language is musical. It has high tones and low tones. You speed up, you slow down. Uh, the cadence of language is in itself musical. To sing music together is one of the most human things that we can do together. And we do so in a way that draws us closer to one another and to God. So with that being said, let's, uh, let's read Wesley's directions for singing. So rule number one, learn these tunes before you learn any others. Afterwards, learn as many as you please. Two, sing them exactly as they are printed here without altering or mending them at all. And if you have learned to sing them otherwise, unlearn it as soon as you can. So a lot of people, they start reading this and going, he's very bossy, but remember, what's the purpose here? It's to indoctrinate us, and it's to make us of one mind and one body, to help us bond together. If everybody knows a different version of the song, you're going to be arguing about which version to sing, right? If, if nobody knows the songs to begin with, then you're not going to be bonding much at all. You're going to be too insecure. Rule three, sing all. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, that's saying if you really do not like singing, then take it up and you will find it a blessing. Following Jesus is not about doing what we want to do. It's about doing what we need to do. And whether or not you like singing, you need to sing alongside other believers. You need to come out of yourself a little bit, be less self-obsessed, and be more concerned about what Christ is doing in the body of believers you're singing with. Rule four, sing lustily and with good courage. In this context, lust is not bad. Lustily just means uh, with plenty of vigor and energy. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. You know, so it's calling out people who will gladly go to a sports game and sing the cheers at the top of their lungs, and yet they come in on a Sunday morning and they're just barely making a noise. No, there's no good reason for that. You should give plenty to God. You should give your all to God, uh, no less than what you were given to Satan whenever you were singing to him before. All right, verse, uh, rule five. So this kind of corrects the sing lustily. It says, sing modestly. So can you sing both? Yes, you can. Sing modestly. Do not bawl, B-A-W-L, so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation. You ever sung with somebody like that? They're like, ooh, I have a really good voice. And they sing out louder than everybody else. Oh, they just love everybody hearing their voice. Well, don't be like that. 
um, do not bawl so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation, that you may not destroy the harmony, but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one clear, melodious sound. So the way I learned it growing up doing choir is God only gave you one mouth and He gave you two ears. So that means you need to be more concerned with fitting in with everybody else than with producing your own perfect sound. So take it in and then put it out in a way that complements the other voices around you. Don't think you're the star of the show. All right, rule six, sing in time. Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep with it. Do not run before nor stay behind it, but attend close to the leading voices and move therewith as exactly as you can. And take care not to sing too slow. This drawling way naturally steals on all who are lazy, and it is high time to drive it out from us and sing all our tunes just as quick as we did at first. So this is a natural tendency that all religious communities have. The more they've sung a song, the more they love it, the more they slow it down. And he's saying, quit it. You need to keep a good pace, you need to keep it going, and you need to not go too fast and also not go too slow. Help everybody stick together and keep a, a lively tempo. All right, final rule. Above all, sing spiritually. So he's all been concerned about technique up until now. Now this is what, what's going on in your head, what's going on in your heart. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing Him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing. And see that your heart is not carried away with the sound, but offered to God continually. So shall your singing be such as the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh again on the clouds of heaven. And that's how it ends. It ends with an eye towards Christ will come again someday. And in the meantime, here's how we sing to him. Now, the reason I wanted to review this is not just because it's entertaining. I, I do get a kick from some of the language he uses or making fun of people for singing as though they're half dead. But this is, this is really good advice for here and now. And we live in an age where everybody loves music, but when they come to worship nowadays, so many people see themselves as consumers of the music, not producers of the music. And that's, that's a luxury of a consumer, uh, materialistic uh, uh, culture that we're a part of now that we really need to step away from. The vast majority of Christians across time didn't have sound systems to enjoy. They didn't have a big rock band up front uh, for uh, at least the first 1400 years of the church. They had no musical instruments at all. All they had was the human voice and joining together in one heart and mind and lifting up psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs for mutual encouragement and comfort and pleasing the Lord and group identity. And it's high time we reclaim that. Once upon a time, Methodists were known for being a singing people. That's something I should have said at the very beginning of this. Methodists, more than any other group, were known as, well, maybe not Moravians, but it doesn't matter. We were known as having hundreds of hymns memorized that we'd be singing throughout the day together at our homes, at the church, in the streets. And really, that's something that, that we should reclaim. More than the, the songs that are on the radio, more than the, the songs of our culture, we should know the songs of our heavenly culture, and we should be singing together. We should have these songs written on our hearts. We should know the doctrines of the faith in song. We should know so much of our scripture in song. This is something from our past that we should claim 
in the present. We need to stop showing up to worship expecting to always hear new music, not know how to sing. We should take joy in knowing the words to the songs that we sing together. We should expect to be singing together, not looking down at our hymnal, not looking up at a projection, but having the words written on our hearts and looking around the sanctuary and singing the same words and knowing that they mean something to us, knowing that my life is lived in response to the Bible that, that, that these words are written uh, conjoined to. So I could preach on this forever, obviously. If this is your first time having heard this document, I would encourage you to pray and think on it. If it's your 20th time, consider it once again. And when you go into worship with your family, your spiritual family, this Sunday, lift up your voice in the way that John Wesley required, and uh, you'll find it a blessing to you. Let's continue singing, Methodists. We're a singing people. <laughs>